No, we're so glad that you came. We're thrilled and honored that you're here. We just serve a wonderful God, don't we? And I mean, every service that we come gather together, there obviously is a uniqueness because this group of people has never been in the same room before. So what happens is that there's a corporate anointing attached to it. And so every service, God has already got a plan for it. And so we're just going to jump in the flow like what my beautiful wife was saying. And we're just going to find out what the Lord's going to say to us today. So before we start, let's just close our eyes for a moment. I want you just to say this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you today with an open heart ready to receive your uncompromising word. Your word is true. Your word is alive, full of power. And I come today with great expectancy to hear from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, that's what's needed is expectancy. What do we expect today? And so I don't know about you, but I'm coming. I'm expecting some good answers for myself direction for where we need to go in the future because listen the bible clearly lays out for us that in the world it will get darker and darker but in the church meaning for you and my life it gets brighter and brighter and what's the reason for that his word becomes i mean it's not just the bible it's revelation from his word gives us insight on how to live in these last days so again i'm so thankful for the word of god if it would not be for the word where would we be today confused, lost. Man, I'm just thankful that his word is alive. And so I don't know about you, but the Lord has been stirring in me since even 2020 that just this revival of the Bible, that it comes back and it becomes a real focal point and a hunger of the Christian life again, that we desire, we crave for it because Jesus even said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, not proceedeth, but proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so today we're just hungry for what God's going to be speaking to us today. Amen. All right, well, with all that being said, I want to just bring your attention to this verse, Psalm chapter 27, verse 8, and this is the greatest invitation that has ever fallen on mankind's ears, is this invitation to seek his face with all that you and I have. I don't know about you, but that is one of the greatest invitations that you could ever get. Yeah, you get invited to a birthday party. You get invited to a barbecue. You get invited to a boat. I still haven't got one of those yet, so I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just, you, you, you like all of those things, right? <laughs> we want those things, and man, nothing like getting an invitation. But how much more when God himself, you know, other translations say, I heard you say in my heart, come and seek my face. That is an invitation for what? Encounter. That's what this is. And so my heart, notice there's a response to when grace calls out, there's simply a response. My heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Now, again, this is the highest honor. This is the highest delight. This is the greatest treasure that any human being can ever say yes to and go after. And what does his face mean? It's not a representation of his hands. It's his face, meaning I get to experience and see his nature. I don't look what God can do for me, although I am so thankful for it. But more importantly, I want to know him. I want to know his nature. I want to know his character. I want to know why he does what he does. And you can see this in a great example. I believe it's in uh, Psalm 103 as well. But Moses knew the nature of God while the children of Israel knew the acts of God. And there's a great difference there. The children of Israel, they saw and they went, whoa, man, that's something else. Wow, look at that. But Moses, not only did he see that, but he knew why God did what he did. And I'm about you, but that is an invitation that you and I, his church now, is invited to come to, is to seek his face without any repercussion of my past, of any, man, what I did before. He's given me this open invitation that I can actually experience him and know him today. Wow. In 2022, what do we need? We need a church that knows him. Not just about him, but we know him intimately. So again, is anyone interested in deepening their walk with the Lord? I am, and I want to go a little deeper in this. And of course, it's never like you're going to arrive, but we can always go a little bit deeper. So how do I do that? What we've been talking about for the last, I believe, two, two months now, is I'm establishing my heart in this grace. You know, the Lord said this a little while to me. He said, I want you to become a student of grace. I want to get my heart so established in this so that it becomes the very air that I breathe. It changes the way I think. It changes the way that I view life because his grace is everything. Now, I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 and 9. But Jesus Christ is the same when? Yesterday. Yesterday. Today. Come on, y'all. And 
So when is he? What is he? He's the same when? Yesterday. He's the same today. And he's the same tomorrow. So he goes on in verse 9 says, so don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings that are out there. Don't be carried away by it. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he says, it is good now for your hearts to be established. Some translations say, the NIV says, to be strengthened by this grace. It is good, the King James Bible says, it is good for our hearts to be established. Say it with me, established. That means I'm not, you know, kind of bobbling around, moving up and down with whatever the culture says. I'm kind of running over here. Culture says this, I'm going over here. They're doing this, I'm going to run over here. No, he says, established. This is what he tells you and I as our hearts is to be so established or so strengthened by this grace. And again, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is no benefit to those who do so anyway. Right? So very clear instruction. So you and I, my life's focus, rather than just finding out the hot topic of the day, I'm going to establish my heart in heaven's reality because it never changes. And when I base my life on something that never changes but is constant through the high seasons and the low, that is a firm foundation that I can build my life on and see the proper results in my life. And we know that to be the Lord. Jesus, grace really is the revelation of who Jesus is. Now, this is why, again, Paul told us in Romans chapter 12, I want to just break this down a little bit. He says, beloved friends... What should be our proper, notice this, our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? He said, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. Now notice, this becomes your genuine expression of worship. So what is worship? It's not just singing a song. It's actually the way that I live my entire life, and I want my life to be established in this grace. Verse 2, he says, now stop imitating the ideals. Now say it with me, stop. Stop. Stop it. Look at your neighbor and say, stop it. Some of you didn't do it. You need to look at him and say, stop. Anybody ever give one of those words to your kids? Stop. Because the way that you're going... I've done this before. You're going down Spank Avenue, and you will not like what's going over this way. Well, up here, stop. He's saying something. He's giving you and I a, a clear warning and direction. This is not just, oh, you know, it's, it's fine. No, he's saying stop. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Now, before I reread the rest, let me just bring it to you. What the Greek actually says, it's aeon, which means spaces of time or the present time. The Aramaic says it like this. It's their, uh, the word alma, which means surround or to be surrounded by time. Paul is literally, you can actually see other translations say, I'm pleading with you. He is on his knees telling you and I that do not be conformed by this time that we're surrounded in. We're surrounded in this time. And what is this time? This world system that is falling apart every single day. He's saying stop imitating the ideals. Stop going to CNN, Fox to get your ideas and your thoughts for how you live your life. Stop it. Why? Because it's all falling away. So instead, what do I do? But be inwardly transformed by the Spirit of God through a total reformation Come on, say it with me. Reformation. Reformation. That's where we're going. A total reformation of how you think. So that means the culture, everything in it, all the political stuff, all the educational stuff, all the nasty stuff, even some of the good stuff. I'm not, my mind is not supposed to be renewed to it. My mind is supposed to be reformed by the word of the living God. That's how I have to think. Okay, so what governs my thinking? Not what so-and-so said, not what Dr. So-and-so said, not what PhD guy said, not what this lady thinks over here, not what that high, high thinker over there thinks. They don't mean squat. If it doesn't line up with the word, it means nothing, and I'm not going to take that thought in. So he said, this will empower you. Notice, thinking like heaven, thinking like God will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Because again, what's the purpose for your and my life? 
I don't know about you, but for me, I want to hear well done at the end of all this. Yes. Not, well, you took on a lot of ideas from the, you know, the time that you're living in. 2022, everybody and their dog has an opinion. Everybody's got one, and they are free to post it on there. So not only that, everybody's getting opinions about everything. But in fact, have we actually gone to the Word and found out what does Jesus say about this? Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Always the same. Now the Ephesians, now look, turn here for a moment. And while you're turning in Ephesians, but our greatest defense against the devil is a mind that lines up with God's Word. Oh, God, just take the devil away. He's going, you need to change the way that you think, man. You think the devil's your problem? No, it's your own mindset that's causing you the problem. Because if you keep going through the same cycles in life, guess what? You may need to go, oh, I need to have a new thought. Eureka! And there's a new thought. And so what we may be calling the devil harassing me, we just simply be going, you know what? You need to actually change the way you think on that. <clears throat> a heart and mind that is established in grace is able to close the door to the devil and his lies, again, because he never changes. So Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul, again, the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul, is now writing to this powerful church congregation in Ephesus, saying, So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, do not or you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Right? Okay. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Verse 19, because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. Do we not see that in the culture today? Okay, we see that. Verse 20, so what is he saying? Don't think like them. Don't take on what they're doing. Verse 20, but he says, but this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life, for we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. Now, I love that the same word that you hear for truth is actually a lot of times in the Greek word where it's found, it's reality. What Jesus came to bring you and I is the reality of what heaven is like. The reality of who you actually are when God created you. You're not from a stupid monkey. <laughs> you are, came from the exact image and likeness of Almighty God, our Creator. You look like Him when you're born again. You are now recreated in His image. You are good looking. I'm so thankful. We were at the zoo this past week. I'm so glad I looked at that thing. I'm so glad it didn't come from you. <laughs> Head was slanted like this. I'm just like, man, if I did, I look really good. Thank God. I don't come from that. Can I get a uh-huh? Okay, okay. Now, just making sure. But I, I want you to say this with me. The ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. This is truth. So again, my whole purpose in life is to see him. That's, that's the call of the church, is to see him. And now at the same time, when I see him, I can actually reveal who he is to this world. We're not looking for who's right. We're looking for a person. Because if the soul is all it's looking for is an answer, you will be discouraged every time. But when I start looking for someone, I'm going to be putting myself in the right place. I'm going to get him. I need his presence. I need who he is. Because when he comes, he comes with the answer. That's the same thing the Pharisees were doing. They were constantly reading the scriptures. And Jesus said, you read over these scriptures thinking you're going to find eternal life. But in fact, it's all talking about who? A person. Yeah. It's talking about Jesus. Yeah. And so for you and I, again, the call is to look, look at him and see him for what he is. Okay. Verse 22. And he taught you now, Jesus taught you and I, to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old Adam, the old self-life, which was corrupted by sin and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Verse 23, now it's time. Say it with me, now it's time. Perfect day, July 31st. It's time to be made new by every revelation that has been given to you. Other way of saying it, it is time for the church to have a reprogramming in their mind. We need to be reprogrammed. We need a good brainwashing by the word of the living God. 
And what's going to happen? I'm going to see him and I'm going to be just like him. Now, another way of saying it, I love that he even just brings out this word revelation because, again, information can change your thinking, but the spirit of wisdom and revelation changes your eyes. This is why the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. I pray, what is he praying for? The entire church, which is you and I today. I pray that they would have what? A spirit of wisdom and revelation. In what? In the deep and intimate knowledge of him. Why? So that when I see him, I'm just like him. So this is why he's praying this whole thing out. And this is why you and I are not just living off information in Christianity. We're living off of revelation. When you live off of revelation, it's not just head knowledge to you. It will it, affect the way you think. But more importantly, it'll change the way you see life. It'll change the way you see things. It'll change the way you see money. It'll change the way you see politics. It'll change the way you see doctors. It'll change the way you see health. What do you need? A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Because like what Jamie was saying so elegantly, Jesus is Lord. That's who he is. He's Lord. He's Lord over sickness and disease. Did you know that he lorded over it? And then he became the high priest of my healing. That's who he is. So we've got to see him for what he's doing. No hype, just true hope in what Jesus has already accomplished for us. Now, continuing on. That's okay. We're, all, we're good with that? So what are we doing? We're taking the time to establish our hearts in grace. Again, because grace is the unveiling of the person and the value of who Jesus is. So now, again, as we get into this, remember that you have within you the Spirit of God himself. And his role, I don't have this on the screen, but John chapter 16, 13 through 15, reveals what the Spirit of God's role is in you right now. How many of you have the Spirit of God? Okay, there's a whole lot of you that didn't raise your hand. We're going to have a, an altar call right afterwards. You come and get saved, you receive Jesus, and the Spirit of God will come. He came the moment you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, he's not just laying, I mean, he can be dormant in there. A lot of times he's looking to get out. But we've kept him hostage so long down in the basement. Let me out. Shh. You're weird. You do crazy things. No. He wants to give you the mind of Christ. And his role, as you see in John chapter 16, three things that he wants to reveal all truth and reality within you. Secondly, he also wants to show you things that are going to come. <laughs> Isn't that good? Your own personal time machine. He will receive from Jesus, and he's going to show me everything that Jesus has. So you have, we've got to put this great expectation on the inside of us going, Holy Spirit, there may be some things that I can't comprehend with my mind, but it's not limited to what I know or how fast I can relate. I, Lord, I'm asking you to teach me in a way that I can understand it. And he'll do that for you, right? He's your personal teacher. That's what he's there for. So as we go into talking more about this, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, show me. Teach me, open my eyes to see something, and he'll give you a whole nother paradigm, a whole nother, oh, I see it. Ah, that's what I'm believing. And I was praying here yesterday, I just saw little clouds. Bup, 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 bup. Oh, I, there it is. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. There's nothing like actually seeing it and going, I get it. Oh, Lord, I see it. There's nothing like that. So that's what we're here for. Right? Okay. So now, turn to Romans chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I'm going to say a few things here just about grace. Now, grace, again, is the unmerited, the abounding provision of the unrestrained operations of God's infinite love that came to us through Jesus Christ on behalf of men, especially to those who depend on him. Grace is God's infinite, measureless love acting on your and my behalf. Now, grace has always acted first. Grace always took and took the first step. He initiated the relationship. He initiated the conversation with you and I. And now what we've talked about months ago now is that the dispensation that we're living in is no longer under the law, but now we live in the dispensation called... All right, the rest of you, we got to get this because this, this is grace. We live in this time frame of grace, and it's only lasting until we're out of here at the rapture of the church. And the moment we're gone, the millennial's going to start. So we've got to take advantage of this. We've got to preach this grace message because this grace isn't just for the church. It's for the entire world. 
And this is what we're here to proclaim and to preach out to this entire, our region here right at this moment, is to get this gospel of grace out so you hear it and see how good God is. Now, religion then is what? It's Satan's attempt to keep you from seeing and experiencing all that grace has provided. How do I know if I'm stuck in law or stuck in religion? If the focus of your relationship with the Lord is you, what you did, what you didn't do, what you should have done. If all you talk about is you, you, I haven't, I need to read, I didn't, oh Lord, I'm so sorry, I did If that's constant, you are stuck in the old dispensation and God's not at that mountain anymore. He moved to Mount Zion, which is now operated by grace. So you've got to make that switch and I encourage you to go back to some of the podcasts. We talked about that in depth. But God has left the mountain and he's moved to another one where it's operated continually by grace. And Jesus actually came and he came to reveal that. He actually said this in the message paraphrase. He said it like this, that you, what I'm trying to get you to do here is to relax. Not be so preoccupied by getting so you can respond to God's giving. This whole time that we are in, this dispensation is learning to respond to what has already been done, responding to what God has already moved on man's behalf through Jesus Christ. So if you're living your life still trying to get from God, wrong dispensation. You are now here in grace. Now we rather go, okay, God, I need, we go from, God, what have you done that I need to see? Grace will change the way you think. Therefore, grace will change the way you see. And this is what the Apostle Paul, like, listen, pray that Ephesians prayer over your life, over your family. I, we do it over the church regularly, that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light so that we would know the hope to our calling, how riches is glorious inheritance in the saints. What, like, when you hear those words, the riches of his inheritance in me, meaning what? He's already put some stuff on the inside of me. Healing is not somewhere out here. It's here. So rather than me trying to get God to do something, I'm learning to release what's already been given to me. And that's different, totally different stance in my relationship with him. Now rather than striving, oh God, I just need to, if I say this a hundred times, it'll work. If I pray this prayer, maybe it'll work. If I go to that meeting, hopefully it'll work. Stop, it's in you. All right, now, the Christian life is all about Jesus' perfect obedience to the Father on our behalf. Yeah. Romans 5.19, one man's disobedience, what did Adam's disobedience do? It opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. That's what it did, right? You, right? The Word says it, so we go, okay, that's what it did. Now then, on the other side, one man's obedience, what did it do? Opened the door, cause it would be opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to Him. Now, again, which are we going to agree with? Who are we going to agree, identify with? Am I going to identify with one man's disobedience and stay and think about that and dwell on that, on how good and how rotten we were? And, oh, man, I tell you, I keep sin. Oh, it all came from the first, man. I'm just, I'm just stuck because, you know, Adam did this, and it's part of my lineage. I'm just, a, I'm just a wrong human being. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Yeah, you was a sinner, but you've been saved by grace because of his now obedience. And now I stand before God as if I've never done anything wrong. What are you identifying with? This is huge for us. This scripture right here is one of those lines in the sand. Which way do you go? Because if you're going to continue to talk about the sin side and how rotten, no good we are, you're going to be stuck here and the devil's going to eat your lunch and then pop the bag. And on the other side, I'm going to agree with what Jesus has done and I can enjoy the free life that he came to give me. And again, we've talked about the national anthem in heaven. is Freedom! That's who we are. We are a free people in him. So who do I identify with? Now, what was accomplished now because of Jesus' obedience? Now, we, I want to go back here, John 19, verse 30. This is where everything changed, right? Even in our historical calendars where you see B.C. and A.D., it all changed at this moment, not only did it happen in the historical books, but it happened in a spiritual way, very profoundly, which affected now our soul and also our physical bodies. These three words right here changed everything. Okay, Jesus went to the cross. 
We're not going to go on to all that. We know what he did, and he hung there. Jesus tasted that sour wine or vinegar. He tasted it, and then he said, it is finished. He bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Now, that word, it is, or those three words that for us English is one Greek word, teleo. Jesus on that cross shouted, teleo. What does that mean? How does that affect me 2,000 years later? Does it? Why are these three words so key and so crucial? That's what we're going to jump into a little bit more today. But this word teleo, there's two meanings to it. Number one is this. It means that it brings an ending to something that has expired. An example was the old covenant of the law. When Jesus shouted teleo, not only did he mean the old covenant now is finished and the new can now be brought in. Like Jesus was our, he was our patriarch. He started this whole thing. He ended one, and at the same time of ending, he also began the second one. Or I shouldn't say second, the new covenant that we now live in today. So that's teleo. But on the other side, the next word for teleo also means to complete or to accomplish something. Jesus accomplished something for us. When he said teleo, I'm so thankful every person born after, it has already been accomplished for you. So instead of trying to please God and go, God, I have to do this. God, I have to bring this sacrifice. God, I got, he's already pleased because Jesus fulfilled something on your and my behalf. This is why to worship him is the easiest thing when you see what grace has done for you. Now, what were the three things? And again, these are the three real biblical, churchy, kind of theological words, but we're going to break them down. But we need to understand these because, again, we don't want the devil just to be pulling out hat truths and we start, you know, being confused by all this. It's time that the church actually understand the word, hear what the word is saying, so we can put the enemy in his spot, which is, again, under our feet. How do you do that? Not by singing louder. What do we do? We have the word. Jesus, every time that the temptation come, every time a problem came, what did he do? He spoke the word. So our word, the word of God in our mouth is what makes the devil run. So we've got to learn now to use this word as a perfectly good sword and how to cut the enemy up, whether it's in your marriage, in your home, in your finances, in your body. How do I use this, Lord, in such a skilled way that I can stick him every time that he tries to pop his head up rather than just get mad at him? That don't do nothing. So what do I got to do? I have to learn how to use this word same way that a craftsman in any kind of art, you know, whether the sword, whatever it is. I mean, you see those fencers and they're Anybody see the mask of Zorro? Man, to cut a Z like that would be... That's what I'm talking about. Well, it's the same way with the Word of God. How do I use this in such a way that every time the devil pops his head up, I stab him with it, and he knows it hurts when you get around this guy. All right. So now the first one we're going to talk about, we ran over this a couple weeks ago, is this word redemption. The other word was reconciliation and propitiation. I want to go over this real quick about redemption again because I want to go a little bit deeper into it. But this again, this is a word redemption in the Greek, and I'm going to butcher this. So if you're Greek, I do apologize. I do like Opa, so that qualifies me to some degree. Anybody like a good, what a, man, I'll tell you, just those, por favor, that's Spanish, but it sounds Greek to me. I don't know what that is. Just one of those, what do we call those things, James? What is this? Not a falafel. I don't know a falafel. It's like a donair type thing. It's just... Hey, chicken. Oh, yeah, that doesn't sound very Greek. No, that sounds okay. Chicken Slovakia thing. Yeah, no, whatever. But then again, whenever I go there, I say, hey, are you from Greece? No. Oh, oh you're making me Greek food? Yeah. Your accent sounds like you're from Edmonton, so I don't know what, where, are you, where are you from. Okay. <laughs> okay. So now this word redemption is exagarazo. 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 All right, that's Italian. Okay, just, I just wanted to show that your pastor is very cultured. Is there a language he don't know? I don't know, test it out. <laughs> Jesus held me. Okay, now, <laughs> that word, it means to purchase out of slavery by a ransom payment. 
So say that with me one more time. To purchase out of slavery by a ransom payment. To buy out of slavery. So now, the spiritual term for this would be that the price paid on the cross for our salvation to buy back mankind from the slave market of sin. Now, redemption, in the eyes of redemption, its viewpoint, mankind was born into the slave market because of Adam's treason. Genesis 2.17, you saw God tell Adam and Eve, do not eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you do, you will surely die. Now, in the actual Hebrew, it doesn't say surely, it actually means die, die. There was two deaths that took place the moment that Adam ate of that fruit. He died spiritually, instantly, but then it took him 930 years to die physically. He had to learn how to die. Like, think about that. He had to learn how to die. And of course, Satan was there to teach him how to do that. So two deaths happened at that moment. So again, redemption views mankind. They were all in this slave market because of Adam's sin. Our slavery was not God's fault. It was our first human father named Adam that put us in this box, right? Okay, Adam became a slave and he threw all of mankind into slavery. God and now had to find a way to purchase us back or to redeem us. Because what happened, the slave market, the entrance to the slave market... Now, if you could just kind of pretend, here's this slave market. It's, it's empty at the moment. The moment that Adam and Eve sinned, they opened the door to the slave market. They came in and they shut the door. Now, as we saw, Adam and Eve, they didn't have any children in the Garden of Eden before the fall. They had them all afterwards. And now what happened? Adam and Eve, they created children out of the image that they were, which was, came from the fallen image, their spirit spiritual image, and then their likeness. So all their kids obviously looked like what we look like. But now what happened is that their image, because of the fallen image, they were now all born inside the slave market as sinners, as slaves. So here we are all in this slave market. Now, once the door was closed, someone only from the outside could let them out. So now they were trapped and all their descendants would be born inside the slave market. Children produce, or sl- slaves produce children's slaves. Now, slaves cannot free themselves, right? Okay, (laughs) a slave cannot say, I will work harder, I will be better, I will be nicer, and then I get out. You can't, it doesn't matter. You have good, you have nice slaves and evil slaves. The, the, The matter is, it's not that if you're nice or evil, the problem is you're a slave. That's the issue. So you could be the nicest one in there, but it doesn't matter. The problem is you are still a slave. So what did God have to do? I had to buy you back. I have to redeem mankind again. Okay? We're talking about teleo, what's a finished work now. Now, on the other issue is that slave cannot free another slave. And that's why you have so many other religions that are out there is they think, you know, so-and-so, I'm not going to give all these names, but you, you can figure it out for yourself. You know, this, this religion over here, that religion over there. The problem is, is that they're slaves. Born of slaves, and slaves give birth to what? Slaves. Now, you have many different cultures in this slave market. You have many different jobs, many different levels of understanding or intellect. Really, all you have is you got people jockeying for the high spot in the slave market. They're trying to climb the corporate ladder is the business term in this slave market. But the problem is, it's not how smart you are, how educated you are, or lack thereof. It doesn't matter the color of your skin or where you grew up. The issue is you are a slave stuck in the slave market. What did God do? God had to find a way now to free the slaves But he had a little bit of an issue going, well, I can't use mankind. Mankind got into the mess, so another mankind is going to have to get him out of it. God had to now, and this is why the Christian, our whole Christian livelihood, what we believe, all hinges on Jesus being born of a virgin. Because again, the lineage, the bloodline comes through the Father. And what we have is that you have the Virgin Mary and the Spirit of God through the Word got her pregnant. Brilliant. Wow. Come on, say it with me. Wow. wow. Say that upside down. Wow. No, mom. <laughs> okay. That was his plan. And so what did he do? Mary was the, the willing vessel. 
Man, I, I want to meet her. Like, man, you, you were amazing. And so there she was. She gave birth now to someone who was born outside of the slave market. Can you see that? So this is what qualified Jesus now to redeem or buy us back. And this is the first time the gospel was preached, actually was in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is right now God is talking to the serpent, Satan, and he says this, and I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The gospel started right here. What's the good news? He didn't say, hey, Adam and Eve, figure it out. Well, you got into this mess, Adam, idiot. Now try to open the door. Yeah, it's a little stuck, isn't it? Well, good luck to you. He could have just let us go. He could have just said, to hell with you. I'm going to create something brand new in another galaxy far, far away. He could have easily done all that. But instead, because he is so immense in his love for his creation that he loves so much, he said, no, I'm actually going to put my own son in a physical body and now blow open the door. Now, (laughs) again, as we said, the good news is is that God preached the gospel right off the bat. The blood of Jesus was the cost to redeem or to buy back mankind. And now through his shed blood, Jesus blew open the door to the slave market. It's what he did. So when he yelled out, Taleo, finished, the work is finished. And obviously, we know a couple days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And I bet you he just absolutely took that door and blew it completely wide open. Satan thought, man, we got him. We got God's only son. What a fool. He doesn't even know what he's doing up there. All of a sudden, Jesus woke up. Hey, devil, give me those keys. Get out of here. Give him a good little slap. The Bible says he actually made a parade or a spectacle. He embarrassed Satan in front of all the heavenlies. Jesus is good at that. Embarrassed them all. And then what did he do? He blew a door, blew the door right off the hinges. And so now, in this slave market, you are free to go. This is the good news. You are completely free if you want to. (laughs) The decision is completely yours. Now there is no sin within the slave market that is gonna send anybody to hell. So what sends people to hell is their attitude or the way that they approach Jesus at the door. Jesus stands at the door and says, hey, what do you, what do you, where we are? I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. I believe what you did. I believe in the resurrection. Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. Get on in there, boy. And you start coming in here. Woo, you're free. But this is the message of the church. The door's open. The door's completely open. Why? Taleo. It is finished. Get out, get out, get out. You don't want to go down with that ship. Trust me, you don't want to do that. So what do we do? We preach this gospel. We preach the gospel. We preach what? The gospel. What's the gospel? Good news. In fact, it's so good, you have to jump up and down because it's so good to be true that he did it all for who? For me. He did it for you. Now... <laughs> the question I have to ask myself, as I said, is who do I want to be connected to? Adam or Christ? Who do you want to be connected to? Now look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, for since death came through a man, Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has to also come through a man, Christ. So he says, even as all who are in Adam, verse 22, die, so also all who are in Christ will be made alive. So who are you identifying with? Christ, guess what? You are made alive. Now, I am free from the slave market and everything connected to it. Come on, say it. I'm free from the slave market and everything connected to it. This is where the renewing of the mind takes place. Because Satan will constantly want to get you to think, even though you may be free, he wants to keep that mind stuck in the slave market. And that was the whole problem that God had with Israel, bringing him to the promised land. He got them out of the promised land, but he couldn't get Egypt out of their minds. Well, you and I, God has taken us now. You are in the kingdom of God. 
But the problem may be is that you continue to think of how no good you are. No, you continue to think on what you did or didn't do. You continue to think of your past and how nasty and horrible it was. Even the mistakes you made yesterday. What's the enemy's tactic? If he can't get you to hell, he'll do everything he can to keep your mind there then. So you're free, but not totally free. So I have to be really, you know, excited in church for all of a sudden to go, okay, there's some freedom here. And all of a sudden, Monday morning comes back. I'm just stuck in the same state again. Get out of there. You're free. Now look at some of these verses here. Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14. Jesus has rescued us completely. Come on, say it with me, completely. This is a complete rescue mission. He didn't partially rescue you. He completely rescued you from what? The tyrannical rule of darkness. And now he has translated you and I into this kingdom of his beloved son. For in the son, all of our sins are canceled. Jesus started the cancel movement. And he started it at the cross. Every sin, every human being ever existed on this planet, whatever commit, he canceled it through his sacrifice. And we have the release of redemption, meaning we've been purchased back through his very own blood. You were bought with blood. So every time the devil tries to put your mind back in what you should have done or didn't do, just go, hold on, I've been purchased by blood. The blood was a high cost, and when God looks at me, he sees the blood of Jesus. I'm free. Look at this next verse. It's in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. It says, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and of calves, because again, the Old Testament operated that there was a covering every time sin was there. Every year, they would have this great big sacrifice, and God would cover the sins of the people. But now with Jesus... He entered the most holy place once, come on, say it, once for all time. And he secured our, our purchase, our, bought, our buyback, when? Forever. You've been purchased back forever. Oh, I made this mistake. Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, okay, you may have messed up. What do I do? Go back into the slave market and start hanging around with the slaves and go, yeah, I'm just no good, just a sinner, just a big loser. I can't do nothing. Stop it. That is to actually minimize the blood of Jesus and to magnify how nasty you were. Satan's influence. No. What gets, gives God glory is when you start exalting and magnifying his sacrifice and what he did. And all of a sudden, you know what? Hold on a second, devil. You're trying to talk me back into this slave market? No, no, no. I've been purchased by blood. My mistakes, my sin is under that blood. I'm completely and totally free. That's how you talk back to that sucker. Now, to establish my heart now, remember we're talking about a heart established in grace. What do I have to do? I have to make a choice to believe this. This is how you get established. Everything that you hear, even in the natural realm, you either choose to believe it or you choose you don't. It's really up to you. Well, I just need so much convincing. It doesn't start there. I'm just going to go, I'm choosing to believe this. It's a choice. Say it with me. It's a choice. So establishing my heart in grace is not God's responsibility. It's my choice to believe what he said and now influence or continue to put that truth down inside my heart so that when a thing comes up like that, I go, hold on a minute. No, no, no. What does grace say? This is what grace has done and said for my behalf. So now with this teleo, I'm out of the slave market and everything connected to it. I believe that. Do you believe that? And let me tell you, this right here is a big deal because you see, in, for, for those real studiers that you like to go into this, Hebrews chapter 6 talks about how you move from spiritual infancy into spiritual maturity. Is this truth right here that I've been brought out of the slave market and I'm no longer a sinner. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is what separates the babies from the grown-ups is this reality right here. I know who I am because of the blood of Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when you start talking that kind of talk, that's what victorious people sound like. Victory sounds like I'm free. Victory sounds like I'm in right standing with God. He looks at me as if I've never done a thing wrong. Failed me. Okay, Lord, I thank you for your grace that washes over me. That is how winners talk. Losers talk. Like the slave market. 
And sadly, a lot of religion has been thrown back into the slave market. These people, yeah, they're born again, they're free, but their mind is so stuck in this slave market that they talk like one of them. And they get mad at. You see that Galatians chapter 3. They get mad at those living by grace, those understanding and hearts established in grace. It's not me. It's not how good I am, man. I, I got nothing. But what do I have? I have this revelation of who Jesus is and what he did for me, and I just simply chose to believe it. That's all that it is. That's what gives you the courage, the boldness to face every day, the next single day, going, I'm victorious in him because he loved me. That's who I am. You'll never see loser talk coming out of me, and therefore I have to change the way that I think. Because a lot of times people, God want, or Satan wants to bring you back to that slave talk, that slave thinking. Stop it. I'm not a slave. Neither are you. The choice is yours. Now, what is connected in the slave market? It's a sin consciousness resulting in guilt, condemnation, and shame. Satan, he has a few cards that he plays with. And he knows how to play them, and sadly, they've worked. Guilt. Accuse, slander, he's good at that. And listen, if he can't get directly to you, he'll use somebody close to you to start speaking that stuff to you. He'll use these types of things. And what is the purpose behind all that? Is to bring your mindset back into this slave market. That's the whole point. So if you, again, I don't want to magnify the devil. That's, that's not our job here. My job is to respond to the goodness of God. Listen, this, this, is, this is key. My job is not to react to what Satan does on this earth. And a lot of Facebook comments, a lot of things being posted is simply a reactionary response to what Satan is doing. Instead, what am I called to do? I'm called to be with him, see him, and now respond accordingly. That's our job as the church. And what you find is the church is a lot of times playing catch up to what the devil's doing and they'll just blast. Well, God says this. And even though it's true, you're saying it wrong and you'll get no converts. This is a huge deal because what the Christians, we take pride. Listen, I, I read this little segment of this. I don't know. Jamie and I were talking about this. Uh, it was this book, Walking with God, that I have, and it's, I've been so blessed by it. And one of the things on there, it says to walk humbly with your God, Micah 6, 8. To walk humbly with your God. And notice he doesn't say to walk for your God. A lot of times you're trying to defend Christianity. You don't need to. Let them think how they want to think. It's not your job to change their mindset. There needs to be a choice. and There needs to be a aha moment on their life. So what do you do? Pray for them. Pray quietly. Just, Lord, I just ask you that their eyes would be opened. Why? Because they're stuck in this slave market. And those religious folk, if they just want to keep bashing and slandering and coming after everything that's out there, there's nothing you can do. Let them be. Let them stay stuck in that slavehood. And hopefully that's what we pray. Just pray that the Lord would open their eyes, that they would see it. All right. Okay. How did we get off on that? Okay. (laughs) Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Look at this, though. But what is connected to the slave market? Again, talking about Satan's hand. Sin consciousness resulting in guilt, condemnation, and shame. But it says now, so now the case is closed. Say with me. The case is closed. When was the case closed? Taleo, Jesus, I I need you. I want you. I recognize that I can't do this on my own. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I want you as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow your ways. The moment you stepped out of that prison and into this free world, the case is closed. When? Right here. Right now. The case, come on, somebody, I feel something on that. The case is closed. The devil, the case is closed. Why? Because there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus. The case is closed. Guess where I'm? I'm in union with Jesus here. So what does that mean? Every accusing voice that the enemy tries to pop up or he uses other people around you try to pop up. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The case is closed. I shut that door right now. I'm not having it. You got to recognize them. The next, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. 
It says, just think how much more. So this is it. How much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from the sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Next, what's the other thing that's connected to the slave market? The fear of not being good enough. And that's why you see so many people have their heads down because they go, oh, man, I'm just, I'm, I, I, know, I know Jesus died for me and I'm just not worthy. The mistakes I've made or the family I grew up in or the things I've done, that's enough. The case is closed. Look at this, Romans chapter 8, 15 and 16. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Talking a moment, you accepted Jesus Christ. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, which is what? In the slave market. You could walk into the slave market. It's not hard. You can just walk around and you can see people, they're, afraid. they're not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And they're stuck in that. But he said, that's not for you. That's not what you received. Paul said, I didn't receive that. And said, what did you get? You received the spirit of full acceptance. Come on, say it with me. Full acceptance. That's who I am. Who are you? I'm fully accepted. Well, I don't really like you. Good, I didn't care. I got fully accepted by him. That's what matters. I don't care what you think about me. I care what he thinks about me. Because on that last day, I stand before him. I don't want him to go, mm, I didn't really like you either. That's not what I want. So how do I get this? I receive what Jesus has done. And the, by receiving what Jesus has done, the spirit of full acceptance is the spirit that I got. Now, what does it do? It enfolds you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For he rises up within us. Who is that? The Spirit of God rises up within us. Our spirits join the Spirit of God in us, saying these words of tender affection. Beloved Father, Abba, Daddy, you're my dad. You're my father. And why can we say all this? Taleo! You're all going to get that tattooed on you now. Taleo! All right, verse 16. All the religious folk. I was just waiting to see what they're going to say. All right, hold on. Okay. <laughs> verse 16. For the Holy Spirit, what's his job? He makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers in your innermost being, you are God's beloved son. Yes. Satan, listen, Satan yells. And he talks. And especially those that don't really like you, guess what? They, they talk and they talk and they talk and they, listen, and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk. So you know who's influencing them. Come on, y'all. We got to get this. But what does Satan, what does, what does the Spirit of God on the inside of you do? You are my beloved son. So I want to flip the megaphone on this. Rather than spending so much time giving ear to, you did, you are, you have, I can't believe you. I want that to become. And the Spirit of God now saying to me, you are my beloved son. We have to choose what are we putting weight on. Whose word carries louder? What they talk out here? Or what the Spirit of God on the inside of us is pleading and revealing on the inside of us. It's your choice. Now, I had a whole lot more to get into, but we just don't have the time. So I'm going to finish with this part. Teleo, meaning it is finished. What is finished? The accusing voice that brings guilt, condemnation, and shame has been silenced through the work of Jesus Christ. Can we all stand up together? I'll finish right here. I think it's time that not only, you know, in, uh, I was reading this the other day, Psalm 22, when you see John chapter 19, verse 30, where it says, it is finished. You know, if you were actually sitting by the cross when Jesus was hanging there, you would actually hear him quote Psalm 22. Wow. You, you would, if, if you read Psalm 22, it's, it's all completely in there. And the last part of this, this verse that there is a generation that is yet to, to be born and they will glorify him and they will all declare, it is finished. Now, hold on. I, I want you, I want, what I want you to see on this part is Jesus yelled, Taleo, 
on your and my behalf, but you and I now, as the church, as the bought free, we're also supposed to be shouting that same word, teleo, on this earth. It's not saying that, well, yeah, Jesus said it is finished. Yeah, but you know what? There's power when you say teleo at the same time. He finished it. Guess what my response is? Yeah, Lord, Taleo, I completely agree with that. It, that accusing voice is done in my life today. Yeah. Those words, those accusations that were said about me, Lord, Taleo, I rest in your love. I rest in your care. My past is past, and I can move forward now because of who you are and what you did. So I think it's time for the church to start shouting Taleo. Taleo. Taleo, because listen, everybody's going to be talking about what they didn't do and, their, and their, all their ugliness. No, no, no. Taleo. Taleo, Taleo, Taleo. Yeah. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. That accusing voice pops up as soon as you leave this building. Taleo. Finished. Husband, wife. Ah, the bickering. Taleo. It's finished. It's finished. Man, you can't be mad at each other in the glory. There's, there's no anger here. Here, the slave market, it's full of it. But out here, who are you mad at? For the church that who are you mad at? You think anger is actually just this? Well, that's I, I'm just this, this self-righteous anger. I, I get there's a time and a place for that, absolutely. But living your life angry, what's wrong with you? No, really, what is wrong with you? You've been purchased by blood of Jesus. You're now out here. It's a freedom. What do we do? We have a glorious time out here. There's revelation here. There's everything you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I want. It's all here. So a question you really need to ask, who am I mad at? Is it mad at the politics? Okay, well, then i got to change the way that I think. i got to get established in grace. Some of you are just established in your hurts. You're established in the offense. You're established in what somebody said or they didn't say. You're established in what the boss thinks of you. You're established in how much money you have. You're established in what my knee feels like. You're established in everything other than the grace of God. And we're wondering why Christians are so angry. The answer is, Taleo, it's a done deal. I'm free. So church, can I think in this dispensation of grace... We don't respond to the slave market anymore. We respond to his goodness. So I don't know about you, but when I read in my Bible that surely goodness, mercy, what else? What's the stuff that follows you? Hey, that's that's the right right stuff? Those things, they follow me wherever I go. Did you know you got a stalker on you? It's goodness, it's mercy, and it's hunting you down. So what do I got to do? I got to acknowledge those things. So can we just take a moment, church, and just actually start declaring the finished works of Jesus? Satan hates it. And listen, I I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for this city and our region to hear the word of God, to hear the good news of the gospel. So I think from this place, I want this to be coming out of this place, a sound of victory, a sound of a finished work. Can, can we do that just for a moment? So don't just wait on me going, oh, I don't know what to say. Start acknowledging the finished work, what he did for you. My salvation is bought and paid for. It's finished. Meaning I've been bought by blood. I'm free. Come on, just start acknowledging what's, on the, what's, what's here in this thing. Lord, I want to thank you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. What do I do? I'm going to bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. What did he do? Church, you're forgiven of every sin. Say, I'm forgiven. Say, the next verse he goes right on to say that I've been healed of every disease. So acknowledge it. Say, I'm healed. I'm healed from every disease. Physically, mentally, I'm free. I'm healed. I'm well. I'm strong. Oh, that's who we are. You know, just where we're at, I just want you, just, can you just touch the shoulder of the, na- the person next to you? And I want you to pray for them as if you would want somebody to be praying for you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this collective body. We thank you for this family. And in this family, we declare freedom. We declare wholeness. We declare soundness in mind. We declare wholeness in marriages, in bodies, in their mindsets, in their physical bodies. In Jesus' name, Taleo. It is a finished work what Jesus did. We are blood-bought. We are word-taught. 
We are spirit-filled, on fire with the Spirit of God. Not drawing back, but we go forward boldly. We go forward with the name of Jesus. We go forward with the the power of the Spirit of God. Ah, thank you, Lord. So over my brother, my sister, beside me, around me, in Jesus' name, be whole. Come on, say it with be whole. Whole. When Jesus greeted the disciples after, he said, Shalom, my peace I leave with you. You know what that is? Shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. So come on, just hold, hold on to that neighbor. Wholeness. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. In Jesus' mighty name. Ah, thank you, Lord.